This is KMTT, Kimitzion Titzay Torah, in uh, the summer's man, starting uh, now after Pesach. We'll be having a series of shirim by Harav Moshe Tarragon on Pekei Avot, to complement, hopefully, your own learning of Pekei Avot each week, a different parak, one Mishnah, one idea, from each parak keeping up with the general learning. Harav Moshe Tarragon. Eighth Mishnah of the fifth parak of Avos lists ten items which were created the first week of creation, Erev Shabbos, the sixth day, but, and here's the strange part, Ben Hashmashos, not really during creation proper, during the Ben Hashmashos. Now, Chazal already tell us that when it comes to Kodesh Baruch Hu, he could be absolutely precise to the smallest unit of time. So, at some level, the creation was completed before Shkia, before we entered into that twilight zone between the sixth day and Shabbos the seventh day. But to the naked eye, to the human eye, which can't quantify time with the same precision, it appeared as Banish Meshus. One of the ten items listed, Piharetz, the earth that swallowed up Korach and his band, Piha Be'er, the Be'er of Miriam, Piason, the magical famous donkey of Bilam, Takeshes, the rainbow, Haman, the man delivered in the desert, Hamata, the staff with which Moshe performed the miracles, Hashamir, this supernatural worm capable of cutting through stone, utilized to build the Beit HaMikdash for no um, metal, metal swords or metal Cutting objects could be employed to build the Beit HaMikdash, HaKtav, Ve'amikhtav, different interpretations, Torah, the letters of the Luchot, the Torah itself, HaLuchot. Yeshomrim, some say, Afamazikim, spirits, demons, Kvaratoshel Moshe, the burial site of Moshe, Elo, Shel Avraham Avinu, the ram of Avraham, on Haramaria, offered in place of Yitzchak, the Yeshomrim and some say Af Tzavat Tzavet B'Tzavet Asuya, the first metal um, tool. Metal tools typically are made by um, heating metal and carrying them from one place to another, or banging them, shaping them. But if you don't have a metal tool, how can you shape the first metal tool? You have to already have a metal tool. So Hashem effectively created the first metal tool. What makes this list of Ten items so important. Why are they attributed to the Ben Ashmashos period of Maiset Rashis? So, there seems to be three different approaches that can be charted out. One approach is just to interpret this phraseology as highlighting the miraculous, supernatural, extra-natural nature of these items. That's why they're not included during my Sebracious, that to be created after my Sebracious. They're not part of nature. Therefore, they can't be incorporated within the development of nature over those six days. Some Rishonim adopt this message. But it seems to be a little bit incomplete. Because, and, and maybe even challenging or strained, because if these really are supernatural interventions of a Baruch Hu to open the ground, 
make a donkey talk. And they're not really part of my sabratius, and they shouldn't be part of my sabratius at all. Not the six days proper, not this twilight period between the six days and Shabbos Kodesh. In fact, they really have no place in Shabbos and Mepresh's. They're miracles, or interventions. God reshapes and recreates, and they should be a sundering or a subversion of nature that emerges much later in history at the appropriate time, whenever those times are called for. The second approach is, of course, the very, very famous approach of the Rambam. The Rambam views supernatural miracles not as interventions in nature, upheavals of nature, but as parts of nature which have been pre-programmed by Gershbargo. And the Rambam, of course, adopts this from a theological standpoint, Gershbargo's will is infinite, is indivisible, is perfect, is part of his essence, and Hashem doesn't change his will, and Hashem's will isn't affected by time. So Hashem's will has to exist already when the world is created, and if Hashem wills these miracles, these nisim, then there shouldn't be sudden shifts in the natural order. And in fact, the Rambam twice claims the two famous instances. One is in his commentary to our Mishnah, and two is in the Mari Nebuchim, the second volume of the Mari Nebuchim, Chedek Sheni, chapter 29. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu split the sea, he didn't wait until year 2448 and then order the sea to split, changing the nature of water and liquids to flow, changing the direction or the, the gravity and physics of the ocean. Hashem already pre-programmed the waters of the Yamsuf so that 2,448 years they would split on their own. It's part of the mechanism, part of the part of the nuts and bolts of nature. Hashem programmed the sun that 2,488 years into history, 40 years later, it would halt on Gimel Tammuz, Erev Shabbos, as Yoshua was battling in Canaan, and he was defeating his enemies, and Shabbos was quickly approaching, and he needed more time to fully vanquish the Malachi Kanan. And each miracle is not some sudden shift in the natural order, but was pre-programmed into the molecular nature, into the DNA of each and every one of these, and that is why they are created during the six days of creation, because they are part of nature. They're not normal nature, they're not day-to-day nature, so they're not listed as part and parcel of the six days of Bria, but they are inserted into this twilight zone of Sheshis and Mebrashis, but not during it proper, but afterwards, during the banish Hashemashos between Sheshis and Mebrashis. It's like having your cake and eating it too. They're part of Bria, but they're not the integral part of conventional day-to-day regimented nature. So they want to be part of the Bria, because Hashem's Ratzon isn't going to change, it's eternal, and Hashem wanted these miracles to occur. They can't be part of the systemic development. Of course, the Rambam quotes a very, very, or in all we've shown him quotes, a very famous Medrash. The Medrash describes the water returning back, Vayashav Hayam Lifnot Boker Le'etano. The water returned to being strong. The word etan 
usually reference to a strong flowing river that flows throughout the season. In this case, the literal translation is that the waters had split and had been quieted, and now that the waters were being returned to their original ferocious state of waves crashing upon one another, the Egyptians would be drowned, the Egyptians would, would be tossed, as the end of the Pasuk, this is in Parak Yudala, Pasuk of Zion, by Naya Hashem et Mitzrayim B'tochayim, God tosses the Egyptians within the sea. Chazal interpret the word Le'itanah, it's a strange word, I mean, it means a strong word. It's a classic word when used for Nachalitan. There could have been other ways to describe it. And Chazal interpret Le'itanah, the Medrash, Rav Yirmiya ben Elazar, uh, excuse me. I'm going to be honest on Tanai Hisna HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'may Sebrashis Im Hayam Shenikra Lefnei Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a condition with the, the sea. Tanai, Hitna, Itanau, that it should split in front of the Jews. Now, on the surface, the notion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu enacting a treaty or a condition with the sea is a, a metaphor, maybe literally, inasmuch as parts of nature are seen as possessing, if not animate, cognitive, well, at least um, interactive ability throughout all of Midrashim. But the phrase of the Medrash is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it tonight, tonight Hisna HaKadosh Baruch Hu b'maisibrashis. This occurred already during Maisibrashis, and for the Rambam it's not just the tonight. It's a pre-programming, not just a notification that, by the way, in 2,448 years, you'll have a job or a task to fulfill. But these miracles are already pre-programmed into nature during Misa Bracious. The Rambam, of course, quotes the Pasuk, Ein Kol Chadash Tachas Hashemesh, a Pasuk in Kohelas, which again could be very much qualified as a reflective statement of Kohelas. Kohelas has a lot of fatalism sense of futility of striving for change doesn't have to be taken as a characteristic sweeping truth which defines the total the totality of nature in our cosmos but the Rambam saw it that way and the Rambam based on this Mishnah in Turkey Avos our Mishnah developed a very dramatic theological position but one which gathered much energy much momentum amongst Rishonim, who saw this as a testament to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's omniscience, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ashkach. Typically, we see a miracle, an intervention, as a tour de force, as an exhibition or demonstration of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ability to reorient nature, and of course, a reminder that nature is merely the veil, which masks the constant miracles of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, all nature is miraculous, is a nascent star. Every once in a while, the Baruch reminds us of that reality by re-engineering nature in some very dramatic, almost apocalyptic fashion. The Ramban, the Ben Moshe Ben Nachman, adopts positions which are more close to this view. But the Ramban and many of those who follow the Ramban differed sharply. Now, the Ramban has a, a very interesting problem. Um, because if the whole Medrash is based on the Yamsuf, the Medrash begins with the conditions that Kaddish Baruch Hu established with the Yamsuf. Then the Medrash continues. 
Amar Rabbi Yirmiya ben Elazar, Loim Hayam Bilvad Hisna Kadosh Baruch the conditions weren't only established with the sea, Elim Kol Mashanivra Misheshis Yimei Bereshis. And of course, the Pazik in Yeshaya, which includes all elements of nature, which will one day be altered. Anitzi Visiliyam Shiyikra Kadosh Baruch Hu says, I commanded the sea that it should be split. Ve'as Ha'or Shaloyazik Lechananya Mishal Vazariah commanded that fire in Babel, that it shouldn't be harmful to incinerate. Et Daniel, the animals shouldn't injure Daniel. Et hadag shiaki liyona, the fish, that it shouldn't be dangerous to Yona, that it should regurgitate and save and rescue Yona. So the Medrash does extend it to all aspects of nature. I mean, there are different Tanayim, different voices in the Medrash, but it doesn't appear to be a Machlok. It doesn't sound like the first position limited to the Yamsaf and others extended. Revere extends it to all aspects of nature. But if the template, the paradigm of this whole identity, this whole idea, are the waters of the Yamsaf, then how come they are mentioned amongst these ten things created Erev Shabbos, Ben Hashmashas? Very interesting why they're not included. So the Rambam tries to deal with this, and he claims that the waters of the Yamsuf, they were pre-programmed on the day the waters were created. So the pre-programming of the waters doesn't have to be developed during Banish Mashos of the sixth day. It already had its day. These ten items, either, it's not clear what the Rambam says, it doesn't fully develop the idea, either they didn't have a natural associative day. So, for example, what day would be the natural day for the mechanics or the dynamics of a rainbow, particularly Noach's rainbow, to be established today? The heavens were set. It's not really part of the heavens. It's, it's, it's an optical change. It's the way light reflects. Maybe the sun, but the sun is not really creating the rainbow. The sun is just delivering light waves and some of them just don't have a natural day, like Mun doesn't have a day. Matzah doesn't necessarily have a day. Ketav, writing, Michtav, Ruchal. So, since they don't have a natural day amongst the six to be appended to, the creation of that day, so they have to be included in some um, catch-all moment, Be'nash Mashas. Some of them, as many of you them understand the Rambam, their day is the sixth day. So all elements relating to animals, whether it's pi aton, whether it's the Kvur of Moshe, the Eel of Avraham, the Shamir, Shamir may be a little earlier, depending, uh, may have been created on the fifth day, but anyway, in any event, their natural setting may really be on the sixth day, which calls into question why they were created in Ashmashas of the sixth day. So there is a bit of a problem as to why the Yamsuf, and for that matter, all the other examples mentioned in the Medrash, the lions of Daniel, the fire of Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah, the fish of Yonah, why aren't they mentioned? Interestingly enough, those three or four examples mentioned in the Medrash, the Yamsuf, the lions, fire, fish, that aren't mentioned in the Mishnah, those examples all have one thing in common. Well, Kedush Baruch demands conditions with aspects of his creation 
they shouldn't be harmful and injurious to tzaddikim in a particular moment. Yonah, Hananah, Michal, and Azariah, Daniel, Am Yisrael passing through the Yamsuf. Whereas all the other ten listed in our Mishnah, their miraculous nature had little to do with protecting Jewish people or protecting tzaddikim. So in theory, the Rambam doesn't say this, but in theory, when it comes to protecting tzaddikim, that could be a condition that is so vital, that's so inherent, that Hashem doesn't wait until Ben Hashmashos, the overtime period, the extension of Sheshis and Mebrashis. Immediately when Hashem Baruch creates the water, he demands, and he creates the animals, he demands. These ten last, uh, last chance items, Hashem will call them to perform miracles, to produce man, to swallow up Korach, to perform... Uh, Miracles and punish power of the Mata. But, maybe they're not as central as protecting a tzaddik. And not as theologically central in the development of history, the development of our universe. And therefore, they have to be added on a bit later. But either way, this is the position which the Rambam took. And as I mentioned before, he develops it in his parish on this Mishnah. He also develops it in the Marnebuchim. The third approach is the approach of the Meirin. The Meirin, in his commentary to Perkei Avos, makes two changes. First of all, he sees the commonality in these items not as simply performing miracles. In fact, there are some items in this list that don't really seem so miraculous. For example, the Ram of Avraham. What supernatural change did that Ram introduce? The Kever of Moshe Rabbeinu. Some Rishonim interpret it's the fact that no one could find it. Even, even the contemporaries of Moshe couldn't find the grave. There's a medrash that says the grave moves when people tried to look for it. The, the fact that the grave was found or the grave was established with little effort. Um, the Kesha. The Kesha would seem to be a typical rainbow. Rainbows occur as an everyday aspect of nature. So the truth is, that at least the Kavur of Moshe and the Ale of Avram Avinu are only cited by Yeshua. So there are three layers in this Mishnah. The first layer, the ten. Second layer, which adds Mazikin, Kavur Toshel, Moshe, and Elo Shel Avram Avinu. And the third layer in the Mishnah, which even adds uh, the first metal instrument. One can claim that there is some um, dissonance or dichotomy between the different voices in the Mishnah. The very fact that there even exists that opinion leads the Me'iri to believe that when the Mishnah says that these things were created Ben Hashmashos, it's a hyperbole. It's not to be taken literally. They were created Ben Hashmashos. The Mishnah is establishing not chronological sequence, but axiological value. Each and every one of these items is important enough that without them, the world would have no purpose to exist. And they were created, whether literally or figuratively, they are valued at the center of the earth. And their value is not simply because they're a miracle, but because they participate in the evolution of Jewish history, in the development of Jewish history, in punishing the enemies of Jewish history, in establishing the, the, the birthplace of Jewish history, Akedas Yitzchak, Keshes of Noach, 
Mazikin, with some Rishonim say, are Shadim that are specifically dispatched to punish the wicked. So the mission is not talking about miracles, but rather changes in, that in particular affect Amisro. And by affecting Amisro, affect the greater human history. Not necessarily suggesting, as the Rambam did it theologically, these were pre-programmed at the dawn of nature, but rather the statement that these are important enough for the world to be created. They couldn't be delayed. Very interesting, Gemara and Shabbos. Gemara and Shabbos relates to, uh, relates about a story of a person whose wife died. He had a child who was still nursing. And he was indigent. He couldn't afford a wet nurse. So we're stuck. So Martin Chavez on Daphnam Gimel claims that a miracle occurred and the man began to lactate, to lactate, to produce milk. Niftichulo dadin kishnei dada isha. Vehenek espino. So Amr Yosef, Yosef heard this incident and he said, Boerei kamagadol adamze. This is a, must be an important, noteworthy person if the entire sequence of my celebrations was altered on his behalf. Amalabaye Sabaye countered Kamagarua Adamza. This is a inferior, insignificant person. Shenishtanalo Sidrebracious. That he had to become a freak of nature rather than being afforded a simpler, more conventional solution. I mean his wife maybe could have lived. Perhaps he could have had the money to afford a wet nurse. Perhaps someone could have offered to volunteer to nurse the child. This must be a person who isn't so important. So the whole tilt of this Mishnah may not just be purely theologically. This is this statement in Shabbos is not just a theological statement, but it's an evaluation of a person based on the extent that nature is altered. If Amisrael is really important and their needs are considered well, well before the last minute occurs. So for the Rambam, it seems to be just a question of God's will being infinite and if change occurs, it has to be pre-programmed. The Meiring introduces a moral element. The Kodesh Baruch Hu cared so deeply about Am Yisrael, these are not last-minute adjustments. And again, according to Meiri, it's not clear, but it doesn't seem like that they're actually created, but they are conceived. They are, the potential is established, they're set into motion. But they could still be divine interventions, but at least they're conceived, at least the world is, uh, is, is oriented towards. It's a very interesting Gemara in Psachim. The Gemara in Psachim cites the same list, but it adds an element that doesn't appear in the Mishnah Avos. We're in Psachim on Dafnun Dalit. Asari Devarm Nivru Be'arav Shabbos Ben Hashemashos in the same list. Be'arav Man Keshes Ksav. Some of them are not listed. I'm sorry, they're still listed a little bit later. Okay. Rabbi Nechemia Omer Mishum Avit. Rabbi Nechemia claimed in the name of his father, Afa Or, the Heperid. Light and heat, fire, and hybrids. Heperid is a hybrid. Certainly in the case of a hybrid, a para, that would seem to be a human employment. Human beings harness and channel the potential of nature, and they create new, uh, new breeds. New species. Does that mean the first hybrid was actually created by Hashem? Then there shouldn't be any sort of kilayim because we're not creating a new breed. We're just perpetuating 
and believe what Shekhar Baruch Hu created. So there are many answers to this question and several interpretations, but at least according to Ibn Echemya, it seems possible that we shouldn't read this Mishnah literally, Hashem created by Hashem, conceived of these potentials, the embedded and endowed nature of these potentials, potential for fire, potential for fire, and then man drew it out. On fire in particular, the Gemara quotes a contradiction in Sacham, there's another Gemara, Sacham says what's created must say Shabbos, and the Gemara resolves that question. But the overall spirit of the Gemara Sacham may just be reflective of the Me'iri, not to read this Mishnah literally, that these were actually created, but they were conceived and they're important enough for the world to be justified solely because these elements would come into play, that Amistad would come into play. For example, the a previous Gemara Msachim, excuse me, the continuation of that Gemara, quotes issues that were created before, elements created before the world. Shiva Tavarim Nivrukadam Shinivra Tara, Teshuva, Gan Eden, Gehenam, Kisiakavar, Beis now, again, whether they were created before the world, that may also just be a statement attributing importance to these. They were created before the world, namely, without them there would have been no purpose, no reason, no warrant for the world to have been created. These are the three general positions surrounding this Mishnah. One position sees this as a testament to the fact that they are supernatural, and they therefore can't be included in Shaitis and Maparishas. Perhaps the most famous position is the Shita Sarambam. The miracles are not interventions at all. Kurdish Baruch's will is immutable. And these are all literally pre-programmed at the molecular, at the level, uh, the DNA, so to speak, of these items. The Mata, perhaps, is the, the, the clearest indication that the Mata is pre-programmed programmed to perform miracles. In fact, there's a very famous medrash that the Mata was given to Adam, but then gave it to Shays, and then passed it on, and it made its way to Yaakov, and somehow it ended up in the house of Paro, and Yitro lifted it from the house of Paro, and put it into his backyard, and no one could remove the staff, and he knew that whoever could remove the staff would be the redeemer of the Jewish people. Sounds a lot like uh, the King Arthur's story. Obviously, the King Arthur's story really stemmed from this medrash. And one day Moshe comes by and removes the staff, and it's pretty clear that Yitro, and Moshe will be the Redeemer. But this whole story, this whole episode about the staff, about the Mata, according to some Deos and Chazal, the Mata had the actual Makos inscribed, or at the very least, it had the Rashi Tevos, the Hadash Biachav inscribed, that's why the Mata is referred to, and we say this in Haggadah, the Haotot, the Hamata. The double entendre, Otot are signs and miracles, the Shetatzeb Haotot, Hashem instructs Moshe to sees the Matna to perform miracles, but also it also means letters. So the Matna had letters on them, the Tzachadash Biachat. The fact that the Matna was created by Nashmashos, was passed on from person to person, is obviously some magical staff capable of performing these miracles, but just as the Rambam sense that these are not miracles that are peoples of nature, but simply nature following its course, not its typical course, but its pre-programmed course. The Me'iri affects two shifts. First of all, this isn't merely a theological statement. It's a moral and historical one. There's a people who will need certain interventions, and without those interventions, its history or their history cannot proceed, and without the procession of that redemptive history, there's no purpose for this world. 
the Mishnah is establishing the importance of Am Yisrael, the fact that Hashem took their needs into account early on, not necessarily delving into the nitty-gritty of how miracles do or don't occur.